Praise the Lord. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat in the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I heard a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And so no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Hallelujah. How many of you know our Lamb? Our Lord, Jesus has prevailed. Amen. I don't know what you're facing today, what trial, what circumstance, or what storm, but we know this. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. Because Jesus Christ is worthy of our praise. Could we sing that one more time? Let's lift our voice. Because worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. said to me do not weep behold the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has prevailed to open the seal and to loose its seven seals to open the scroll and I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and on the, of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood the lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the world then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat in the throne now when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints and they sang a new song saying you are worthy to open the scroll Amen. hallelujah and to, it says, and to open its seals, for you are slain, for you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you've made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain amen to receive 
and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying blessing and honor glory and power be to him hallelujah who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever just declare it today worthy is the lamb come on let's lift it one last time worthy that I eventually let God show me. The soul of me was my fallen humanness. The soul of me was everything about me before I came to know Jesus Christ. It's the human nature. It's the ambition. It's the pride. It's the ego. It's all the things that rely on the flesh. All of God's promises that we know we sing about. You know they're in your heart. You know they're somewhere in your mind. God's promises, no matter what we face, where He says... I have given you spirit and life and you will get through this. Whatever it is you're going through, you're mine. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The Lion of Judah is taking center stage in this ring. This was painted by one of your own, Milena. Is that the, is that the right way to say it? Milena? Stand up, Malena. This is beautiful. Beautiful. Yesterday, I want you to know this because I want you to know how this spiritually affected me yesterday. So before we were going out onto the streets to, uh, to witness with the gospel, we were praying in the chapel. And as I was walking around, I like to walk around a lot, by the way. I might make you dizzy this morning. <laughs> And my eyes fell on this picture and it just hit me right in the spirit. But the lion of the, of the, the roar of the lion of Judah. And we were praying about, we put the picture in the middle of the floor and we were saying that the lion was going to roar over us and is roaring over the area where we're taking the gospel. Because there's nothing that can stand under the power of the lion of Judah's roar. You know, the word of God says, that the enemy prowls like, like a lion waiting to devour those who aren't aware and switched on. Well, let me tell you, he's described as a lion, but he's a scabby, limping, defeated lion. He's mangy and he's flea-bitten 
and he's swiping out in anger to take as many people down because he knows he's defeated and he knows his time is short. But we belong to the Lion of Judah who is the King of all kings. And I believe this morning that the Lord wants to break off strongholds of fear and anxiety. It's been on my heart all night. It's been on my heart all morning. We've been singing about it. We've been speaking about it. And today the line, I'm going to be preaching about it. The line of Judah is roaring over your life right now to break off the shackles that the enemy has no right to keep you in. This is a boxing ring. I don't know if you know anything about boxing, but quite often in the last 10 seconds, of the round the coach will come to the corner and he'll bang on the stage to let the boxer know that there's 10 seconds left and it's time to really go for it well this morning the line of Judah is saying this prophetically all nations it's time it's time to stand up time is short he wants to roar the chains of fear and anxiety out of your life Stand with me, let's sing. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song sing with me of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer I'm no longer a slave to fear Cause I am a child of God Sing up! I'm no longer a slave to fear Cause I am a child of God Jesus! Come on! From my mother's womb have chosen me love has called my name and I've been born again hallelujah into your family your blood runs through my veins come on sing up I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear Cause I am a child of God I'm no longer Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear Let it all go Cause I am a child of God And I'm no longer a slave to fear Praise you Jesus I am a child of God Jesus I 
split the sea in two so the people of Israel could be made away from the clutches of the enemy and Jesus made a way on the cross and in his glorious resurrection to make a way for you never to be held by fear, condemnation, guilt, shame ever again. Praise God. You split the sea. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I can stand and say, I am a child of God. You split the sea, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. It's my are drowned in perfect love hallelujah you rescued me so I could stand and say I am a child of God you split the sea you split the sea so I could walk right through it my fears are drowned in perfect love you rescued me so I could stand and say I am a child of God I'm a child I am a child of God I am a child of God I want you to stare into the eyes of this mighty roaring lion let this go from deep within you deep within your spirit I'm no longer a slave I'm no longer a slave the lion of Judah has roared over my life I'm no longer a slave Give him praise where you are right now. Praise him where you are. 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 Jesus. Because I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. this in fact you know what we keep that center doesn't matter where I go does it the line of Judah is in the middle praise God let me praise I'm just getting this stuff together father I thank you so much for this church Lord thank you for this part of the body of Christ thank you Jesus for everything that you've done in this place for everything that you're gonna do in this place I want to thank you for pastors John and Joanna and their beautiful family. I want to thank you, Lord, for the heart of this church, the heart of this church to see the lost get saved, to see the sick get healed, 
to see the demonized get set free in the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. Anything I say, Lord, in the next four hours? The Lord's got a sense of humor. Anything I say, Father God, in the next whatever it is that isn't coming from you, Lord, may it be instantly forgotten. And only things, Lord Jesus, that are coming through your throne room, I pray will be the things that we remember. Lord, change us forever. I pray that not a single person will leave this place today without being changed. Because we've come into your courts of praise. We've come into the presence and the power. We always have your presence with us, Lord. We've come together purposely to worship you. And Father God, we should never leave the same way again. Amen. Amen. The promises of God are yes and amen. This has been the theme that's ran right through this morning. It's blessed my heart so much to see the Holy Spirit link things up like that. You know, you prepare a message and you've got, I had no idea what the worship team are going to be singing about. In fact, Pastor John, I was going to switch my, my sermon in the middle of the night and preach one that I've got from the book of Revelation. And I'm glad I didn't because you've already preached it. Beautifully. This morning, no, really. If, if, I'd have, if I'd have changed my mind, I would have sat there going, he's preaching my sermon. I'm going to have nothing left. Jesus told me not to change my mind and everything's been linking up perfectly. And I believe the Lord does want to speak into people's lives about being reminded about who we are in Christ, about what the line of Judah has, has achieved over us, that he's done it. And, and we allow ourselves to be, to be taken backwards by the enemy and he's got no right to do it. He's got no right to do it. And we do it to ourselves. I want to see people get set free from fear and anxiety. I want to see hopelessness smashed to pieces. This is the body of Christ. The world out there is, is racked with hopelessness and fear and anxiety. They're racked, they're hurting, they're wounded. You know, they're carrying, some of them have been sick. Some of them know people who, who have died. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their finances. They've lost all kinds of things. And people in the body of Christ have lost that too. But as John shared before, we are the light of the world. We are the ones who carry the hope. If the body of Christ loses its sense of we are the hope carriers, we are the light bearers, we are the ones who have been placed here on this earth for this time, for this season. I want you to hear that today. Sometimes people get jealous that they weren't born whenever. They wish they'd been born in a different time when there might have been a revival or there might have been something else happening. You have been uniquely made on purpose, for purpose, and God has decided to put you as an individual on the earth at this very time for this very season. And he, and he has a unique purpose to achieve in and through you, in the lives of everybody around you. And we need to wake up to that as the body of Christ. We're going to get set free. Satan can't have the church of Jesus Christ on the ropes any longer. The church of Jesus Christ takes centre of the ring. When boxers are fighting, I used to box years ago, so it's quite exciting. In fact, I used to want to be a boxer in my teens and, and, and I went on a wild journey and a wild life. I won't go into all that now. And here I am standing in a boxing ring preaching the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
A boxer takes, you know, they, 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 they sort it, they sort it, I'm doing it now, yeah, there you go, you see. They, 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 one of them tries to get the center of the ring, so they're the ones who've got control. They're the ones who are controlling the ground. Well, the church of Jesus Christ is center of the ring, and sometimes we forget that, and we allow ourselves to think that we're the ones on the ropes, and we're not. We already, I shared this on Friday, when a boxer enters a ring, he's been training for months and months and months and weeks, whatever it is, so that they enter the ring, so that they can do what they've been trained to do to earn the victory. When we walk into the ring of life, we walk from a place of victory. We're not entering the ring of life to win a victory. We're already victorious. We're here to set other people free. I didn't plan to say any of this. I'm not going to have any time left. That's okay. <clears throat> Let me take you back 2,000 years or so to when Pastor John was born. <laughs> can I just, uh, can I, your, your, your kids, your children are beautiful. I love your family so much. I love all your family. But I want to give a special honor to Naomi today. Is she here? Is she in here somewhere? She's gone to the toilet. It's all right, we'll wait. Naomi, when you come back, can you hear me in the loo? Hopefully we can't hear you. Naomi has is, is, is given over her, her bedroom for me, her beautiful bedroom. That's where I've been staying this, these last few days, and it's beautiful. And every time I look at her, I feel guilty. And every time I look at her, I see hate in her eyes. So we need to pray for her. Lord, deliver her from the hate. It's the third day after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and Jesus has risen from the dead. Hallelujah. You could stop the sermon right there. That would be enough. The tomb has been seen empty. The angels have, have appeared to some of the followers. They've told them that Jesus has risen from the dead. Um, Jesus himself has appeared to some of the women, you know, and given given them orders to go back and tell the others that they've seen him risen from the dead. We have this beautiful scene where the women go back and they tell them and, and Peter and John have a race to the tomb. You know, that beautiful scene where they run to the tomb and John outruns Peter, which he probably never lived down. John outruns Peter and he looks into the tomb first and they look inside and they see that Jesus has in fact risen from the dead and that the tomb is empty and all that's there is the, is the, uh, the grave clothes. By the way, can I just say, Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away so he could get out. Jesus Christ himself could have walked right through the walls of the tomb the stones rolled away so that they could see inside and they could see that he has risen. He has gone. Now you would think that the next verses in the Bible that would follow that revelation would be the disciples having parties of joy, high-fiving each other. He's done it. He said he was going to do it. We believed he was going to do it. He's risen from the dead and there's just scenes of joy and jubilation. But actually that's not what we see. And what we see in the next following uh, verses is that there's confusion and there's fear and there's panic. And we actually see the disciples locked in a room wondering what's going to happen next. 
He told us he was going to rise from the dead, but what's going to happen next? They're human beings, they're like me and you, until the moment that Jesus himself in all of his risen glory walks right through the walls into the room where they are and they see him. In fact, even then, one of them didn't believe it was him. Poor Thomas. Poor Thomas gets a bad rap. Doubting Thomas, he's been called for the rest of time. Thomas is me and he's you. Thomas is a human being and it wasn't until Jesus put his fingers in his hands and, and the holes in his hands and his feet and in his side that he then dropped to his knees and said, Lord. And then Jesus breathed on them. It's beautiful. It says Jesus breathes on them and he fills them with his Holy Spirit. And he says to them, you don't have to be frightened anymore. I am who I say I am. I am the creator of the universe. I have risen from the dead and you need never fear anymore because I live in you and you live in me. And then he poured out an even special blessing for me and you. We went there, but Jesus was thinking about us and he says to the disciples, but you know what? You believe in me because you've seen me. Blessed are those who though they haven't seen me, yet they still believe. Me and you didn't get to look into the empty tomb with our own eyes. Me and you didn't, didn't have angels stand in front of us and tell us that Jesus is risen from the dead. We haven't had Jesus himself physically walk through our bedroom wall and say, look, it's me. I have risen from the dead and yet you still believe. Do you realise how special that is? Do you realise that that's a miracle? If anybody ever says to you, so you're a Christian, have you ever seen a miracle? And you may be standing there and you start to sweat and you panic because maybe you haven't seen an arm grow back. Maybe you haven't seen someone raised from the dead. Maybe you haven't seen someone get healed right before your very eyes. But before you open your mouth to tell them, no, I haven't seen a miracle, let me just bless you with this. You have seen a miracle because you believe in a man that you've never seen from 2,000 years ago. You believe he died on a cross. You believe he rose from the dead you believe he's going to return with all your heart that's a miracle it's a miracle and we're so blessed Jesus said that he didn't make a distinction really between the disciples and us and he didn't say you know you guys are uh, you know you guys are much better than anybody that follows you that believes in me because you've walked with me you've talked with me you've seen everything that I've done up close there's a load of people that are going to come after you who are going to be sitting in a boxing stadium in Dublin and they're blessed because they haven't seen me let that light up your heart today there's a miracle that's happened inside you and me. We believe in Jesus. Jesus breathes on them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. We know not long after that. And by the way, can I just quickly point this out? That a lot of people miss this. The day of Pentecost came and the church was filled with power. The church was, was gifted with gifts of power and miraculous power, you know, to, to see the lost get saved, the sick get healed and the demonized delivered. But they were already filled with the, with the Holy Spirit from the moment they believed. So I want to encourage you today, and I'll have to be careful that I don't go into a different preach. If you've never asked the Lord for the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, please do it. Because it's exciting and you need it. You need it to be effective witnesses for Christ. The gifts of prophecy, Wisdom, words of knowledge, miraculous powers, healing. 
discerning between the spirits, the gifts of tongues. It's all powerful stuff. Who wants it? I want it all. I ain't asking for one gift. I want all of them. Because I'm greedy. But the Bible says, the Lord says, anybody who comes to the Father and asks for a good gift, he's going to give it. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a good gift. Okay? Okay. Amen. Let's move on. <laughs> what I want to bless you with today, I'll have to keep an eye on the clock. Will you, will you guys give me a signal if I, look, if I need to start winding up? Because once you wind me up, it's hard to stop me. Okay? <laughs> I want to encourage you all through actually the story of what the disciples went through just after Jesus died on the cross before the resurrection to learn to spiritually be able to see through whatever situation you're going through, whatever you're going through now, whatever you're going to go through in the future that might be weighing you down, dragging you down, beating the life out of you, whatever it is, for you to be able to spiritually discern that you need to remember the promises of God on the other side of the situation that's going to help you get through whatever it is. You might not be seeing it yet. John already said it just before, I think. But it's remembering the promises of God that are on the other side of every single situation. The promises of God are all in his word. Hebrews 4 verse 12. I love this scripture. Because it's so powerful. And we need to be reminded of it because the word of God is so powerful. And so often when we're in situations, we forget to go to the word of God because of whatever reason we're too busy or we've just got out of the habits. And the truths and the promises of God are written clearly in his word for us to read and remind ourselves so we can live by it. Hebrews 4. Verse 12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts of the attitude of the heart. Here's the revelation that I eventually let God show me. The soul of me was my fallen humanness. The soul of me was everything about me before I came to know Jesus Christ. It's the human nature. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the ambition. It's the pride. It's the ego. It's all the things that, that rely on the flesh. Until the day that I came to know Jesus Christ and he walked radically into my life and my spirit became alive. Because if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus and you've never fully committed your heart to Jesus, let me please, please hear this and hear it with love. Right now, you're physically alive, you're spiritually dead. And you cannot be in a relationship with the God who created all things if you're spiritually dead. You need to be made spiritually alive. And with that comes forgiveness and grace and mercy and love and hope and freedom. And it's beautiful. Jesus Christ made me spiritually alive. He came and made a home in me. That means that there was a division between my soul and my spirit. My spirit is the nature of Christ. My spirit is the, is the power of Christ. It's the nature of Christ. It's the love of Christ. It's the grace of Christ. It's the strength of Christ. It's the wisdom of Christ. The word of God says that when we become believers, we have a mind, a Christ-like mind. But so often we, we, we go back to the way we used to think. We go back to thinking in the way of the soul. And the word of God, as it says in Hebrews there, helps us and equips us to read what God says so that we can separate from the way our soul is to the way our spirit is. 
And you can, you can name any part of your life that you're struggling with, whether that's temptations, whether you are struggling with, with attack, whatever it is that's going on in your life, Jesus says, my word will, and, and my truth is going to help you to discern between what is my voice, what is your voice, and what is the voice of the enemy. But we need to be spirit-filled. We need to be believers in Jesus Christ. Our spirit comes alive and then Jesus says, now we can do business. Now we can do real kingdom business in this world. And our Christ-like nature. All of God's promises that we know we sing about, you know, you, you know they're in your heart, you know they're somewhere in your mind. God's promises, no matter what we face, where he says, I have given you spirit and life and you will get through this. Whatever it is you're going through, you're mine. And I've given you spirit and life. You will get through this. You're mine forever. All those promises that God makes to you, that, that there's nothing that you need fear. There's nothing that you need be made anxious about. There's nothing that you need let control your life, whether it's addictions or whether it's, 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 it's habits that are in your life. Jesus says, no, I've set you free from those things. My spirit lives in you and it is possible for you to live a different way. But we forget these things in the word of God when we're going through things. You know, in that kind of truth, Fear is conquered. Anxiety is conquered. Why? Because there's nothing that can attack your life, attack your mind, attack your heart, that can stand under the power of the name of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that is attacking your life that can stand under the roar of the Lion of Judah. Woo! I'm getting set free. I don't know about anybody else. Everything has to bow to the name of Jesus. Really, fear and stuff like that, we do. The reason why fear and anxiety and that is mentioned in the word of God, it's not so that we get condemned and judged when we start to feel fear. You may be in here today and you're going through a terrible time. You may be, I know what it's like to be in depression, believe me. I won't go into my testimony, but believe me, I do, to the point of suicidal thoughts, Okay. You may be going through a tough time. You may be anxious about stuff. You may be fearful. And Jesus doesn't condemn us or judge us for that because he knows in our humanness we're going to start to feel these things. But then he says, come to me, come to my word and listen to the truth. Because really in a believer of Christ, fear should have no place to land and be able to stay. Because the power of the name of Jesus just should make it dissolve in who we are in him. And that comes through getting before God in prayer and in worship and all the weapons that the Bible tells us to have and getting in the word of God daily, 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 daily. You know when you get food and, and uh, I always forget the name of what it is, but you know when you get food and you, and you put it in a sauce and you leave it there for, what's it called? Marinating. Thank you, Joanna. Even though all you've fed me is toast for three days. On one of those occasions, she did marinate the toast. <laughs> that was my, I, I, all I eat is toast quite a lot, and so I, it's my fault. But it's lovely toast, by the way. I've also taught her how to make coffee. Can I, can I, I'm breaking away just for one second here, just to give it a little bit of, you know, a little bit of balance, a little bit of, is anybody in this room, my, where's my English friend? Where are you? Where's the person from England? Hi. You'll never, you'll never know 
How much condemnation and judgments I have faced in, in their household because I put chips on bread. Oh, shut up. You should have seen Pastor John's face. We were in a restaurant and we had chips and I had a piece of soda bread. And being British, I put butter on the bread and I put my chips in it and I started to eat it. And you would have thought I'd just said that Jesus isn't real or something. The look on his face. Oh, praise God. <laughs> it's good, I know. Fear should have no place to land in you because you're filled with Jesus Christ. It shouldn't be able to land and stay because you're filled with the Spirit of Christ and you've been given a Christ-like mind. How amazing is that, that the Word of God tells you that you have the ability to think like Jesus Christ? Now, that's why when we talk about evangelism, we talk about going out on the streets and we talk about, have, you know, I was saying on, on yesterday that one of the things that brought me to my knees about evangelism years ago, I was pastor of a church at the time and I was doing evangelism and, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a heart that wants to see lost get saved. Obviously, every believer should have that. But I recognised that I didn't have Jesus's love for the lost like I read in the Word of God. I recognised that I didn't care enough for the people that walk past me in daily life that I knew if they don't know Jesus, they're going to hell. And that includes people in my immediate family. And I recognised that I didn't have a Christ-like mind in how I feel about the lost. So I started to get on my knees and say to Jesus, Lord, give me your heart for the lost. And that's a prayer that Jesus is going to answer. And every other thing that comes with Jesus and his character, he's going to answer Jesus, give me your strength in this situation. Jesus, give me your peace in this situation. Lord, Jesus, in your strength, I want to overcome this, whatever it is. And Jesus is going to go, bam, you've already got it. Because I bought it for you on the cross. And I bought it for you in my glorious re resurrection. And it's all yours already. You just need to wake up to the truth. Jesus says, no more fear in me. Here's what I want to show you a little bit of today. And I'll try and speed up a little bit. Jesus had told the disciples exactly what was going to happen to him before it happened. He spelt it out to them loud and clear. Several times in the Gospels, he told them exactly what was going to happen to him. Matthew 16, verses 21 to 23. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Matthew 17, verses 22 to 23. Jesus predicts his death a second time. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They're going to kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. Matthew 20, verses 17 to 19. Jesus predicts his death a third time. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem and on the way, he took the 12 aside and he said to them, we're going to go to Jerusalem the Son of Man, meaning him, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They're going to condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised to life. And we can see it repeated in the other Gospels. They didn't understand it all. Why? Because at that point in their journey with Christ, they were still thinking in the soul. 
They hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. That's why sometimes when we read about the disciples' reactions, Peter, the way Peter spoke sometimes, and sometimes people can say, yeah, yeah, oh, Peter, he was always shouting his mouth off and, and whatever else. Well, listen, there's, there's two Peters in the Word of God. Did you know that? There's the Peter before being filled with the Holy Spirit and there's the Peter after being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the Peter that denies him three times when he's been arrested and there's the Peter after Pentecost who stands up on his feet in front of everybody that can hear and preached his first sermon and thousands got saved. So you know when you're speaking over your life sometimes, oh, I'm a bit like Peter. I'm a bit like Peter. I shoot off I lose my temper whatever it is let me remind you which Peter is it that you think you're like is it the Peter before he was filled with the Holy Spirit or the Peter afterwards because I know which one I want to be it should be a challenge to us do you know what actually my behavior is a little bit like Peter before he got filled with the Holy Spirit and I need to do something about that amen so, so when they heard Jesus say these things, they weren't filled with this glorious joy of, yes, this is why Jesus came. This is what it's all about. He has to go to the cross. He has to be crucified. He has to rise from the dead. We understand it all, Jesus, and we're with you all the way. Instead, I mean, we even have Peter, who we've just been speaking about, saying, no way. There's no way I'm going to let you go to the cross. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Peter. <laughs> He wasn't thinking of me and you, you know, I'm not, let, I'm going to let you, I'm not going to let you go to the cross so that every human being who ever lived has a chance to be free from sin, condemnation, guilt and shame. I'm going to let, let you die on a cross so that you have the chance to rise from the dead so everybody can have eternal life. I'm going to keep you with me because I love you. And Jesus actually says to him, Peter, you're not thinking with the mind of Christ. He says, get behind me, Satan. Meaning, meaning the sinfulness of it, you know, it was coming against what Jesus had to do. He was thinking in the soul, he was thinking in the flesh, he wasn't thinking in a Christ-like mind. So he said, get, get thee behind me, if it's a King James Version. You, you're not thinking with the mind of Christ. So instead, when they heard these words, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. It filled them with fear and panic and confusion, and grief. So he didn't want him to die. He didn't want him to go through it. But the promise is still the promise. Jesus made them a promise. So they go to Jerusalem, and everything happens just as Jesus said that it would. He does get arrested. He does get handed over. He does get beaten. Beaten to the point of that he wasn't recognized by his own family. He wasn't recognized as a human being is how badly he was beaten. They spat in his face. You know, the, the, the lead up to the crucifixion was so brutal that a lot of people didn't even get as far as the cross because they already died through the horrific injuries and pain. And they beat Jesus to that level and then they made him carry his own cross for me and for you. For anybody in here that doesn't know Christ fully, for you, he was thinking of you. In a, in, a, in a sense. And they, they have to watch it all. Can you imagine what's going through their hearts and through their minds? They have to watch it all happening. Maybe some of them up close, some of them from a distance. They're watching this Jesus that they love, that they just spent three years every day with. And then eventually, 
you know, you think that the words would be ringing in their ears. It's okay. It's, this is horrific and it's bad and we don't want to see it, but it's okay because Jesus said this was going to happen and then he said he was going to rise from the dead. So we don't need to worry about this. We don't need to grieve. We don't need to panic. Jesus made a promise. And his lifeless body gets taken down from the cross and he gets laid out at their feet. And Jesus is dead. None of this nonsense that Jesus wasn't really dead, not actually dead. If Jesus wasn't actually dead, we're all doomed. Jesus was dead. He was devoid of all life. There was no life in Jesus' body. And he's laid out at their feet. And you can imagine as they look at him, the ones that were at the foot of the cross, they're looking at him and they must have been in, in, in disbelief. They must have been numb. They must have been in shock. Then they've got all these images of Jesus as they, as they knew him only days before, full of life and full of light. This Jesus that was full of love. This Jesus that they saw the power of Almighty God move in and through. This Jesus that they saw raise people from the dead. They saw him heal them. They saw him deliver them. They saw him walk on water. All the things that Jesus did and now they're looking at a lifeless body. And there was still the promise. I will rise again. I will rise again. I will rise again in three days. I will rise again. But right now he's there and he's dead. And that's what they see. And because they're looking, they're thinking through the soul and they haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet, that becomes their reality. That dead lifeless body becomes their reality and they've let go of the promises of Christ. And they go into grief and they go into panic and they go into, they go into being frightened. The promise that was made isn't resembled in this lifeless body that they see before them, that they're going to pick up in a moment, they're going to carry to a tomb and then he's going to be sealed in. They're grieving, they're scared. Everything that happened next proved that in the word of God. We see how they behaved in the days following that. We know that three days later, because we have the benefits of hindsight, that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. We know that as truth. That's why we're saved. Romans 10 verse 9 says what? If you believe in, if you confess with your mouth, that Je I nearly got it wrong then. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be. You know that truth if you're in here today. You have the benefit of, of hindsight. So because we know that Jesus kept his promise that he would die, but that he would rise again and we believe it with all of our, with all of our hearts, we also now know and believe that every single promise that Jesus makes in the word of God is signed, sealed and delivered. Because he rose from the dead, every single promise Every one of them, Jesus keeps because he rose from the dead. It all hinged on him rising from the dead. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, he's a liar. My Jesus Christ is no liar. The devil is a liar. And he's the one speaking into your life that it's okay to dwell in fear and anxiety and guilt and condemnation and shame. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Everybody else feels that way. He's got no right to whisper those lies into your ears. He's the liar. 
solid, firm, foundational promises made because Jesus rose from the dead. But here's the problem for all of us. Like the disciples at the foot of the cross or a bit later with the dead body, whatever it is that we're going through, the situations that you face, you know, through the stress maybe, the anxiety, the, you know, the, the, the chaos, whatever is going on in your life, you forget to hold on to the promises of God and you look at your situation and your situation becomes your identity. Your situation becomes who you are. Your situation becomes your life. When Jesus Christ is saying to you, <laughs> I've kept my promises. Every one of my promises are yes and amen. You need to take your eyes, your spirit to the empty tomb. And know that you don't have to dwell in this fear and anxiety and everything else that's going on in your life because I've set you free from it. And there's nothing that's going on in your life now and there's nothing that could ever happen in your life that I will not get you through. That amazing truth that we know as believers, he's either going to get me through or take me home. And when non-believers hear that, they're like, that's crazy. That's a stupid thing to say. So what you're basically saying is, he's either going to get you through or you're going to die. Because they don't understand the truth of what it is to know Jesus Christ and to know actually <laughs> to be with him is far better. To be with Jesus Christ is far better, far greater. Paul said that. To live is Christ and to die is gain. So I know that Jesus promises me he's, he's going to get me through every single situation. And do you know what? If it so happens that the situation overcomes me and I even lose my own life, I'm with him. Because he kept his promise and he rose from the dead. We let go of the promise on the other side of the three days. You know, sometimes when we're going through whatever we're going through, it's almost like we're in that three-day period that the disciples went through when they weren't exactly sure whether Jesus was going to rise from the dead. When actually as believers in Jesus Christ, we are the disciples that are resembled in seeing Jesus walk through the walls, walk through the walls of our situation, knowing that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing that he can handle whatever it is we're facing and we can be set free. You know, I was just thinking about this the other day. I'm going to quickly share this and then I'll start coming to a close. I was very close to my uncle Nicky, my, my mum's brother. I'm from an Irish family. They're from Donegal. And... Um, uh, I was very close to my uncle Nicky. Um, he, was, he was more than an uncle to me. He, it's hard to describe. Nicky was a born-again believer and he got cancer and he died five years ago. And of course, we all prayed for him. Lots of people prayed for him. His family, you know, his church were praying for him. But eventually, the cancer overtook him and he, and he, and he died. And I understood fully because I'd never known grief like it. The grief floored me. And these words were coming back to me that, Jesus, that the Lord Jesus was saying, you know, you don't have to grieve like the world. You don't have to grieve like those who don't know me. And I've used those words so often, you know, in life. But now I truly understood them. That Jesus was saying to me, you know, you are going to grieve. You know, my reality is, you know, if I let myself, my reality is that Nicky's gone and I miss him and I want him back. But Jesus, and this might be for someone in the room who's grieving right now, actually. 
And Jesus spoke to my heart and said to me, Mark, I kept my promise when I rose from the dead. And I kept my promise that every single person who believes in me not only receives my forgiveness and my grace and my mercy, but they receive the promise that they too will rise from the dead. And your uncle Nicky is with me. And even though you grieve and even though you miss him terribly, hold on to the promise on the other side of this life that because you believe in me, you too will be with me in the kingdom of heaven and you will see him again. And that's the kind of thinking that we need to hold on to. That's my comfort. That's my, that's my stronghold in every single situation that I face in this life. That when things get on top of me, and they do, I'm just like you. Things get on top of me. Fear starts to come into my life. Anxiety starts to come into my life. Whatever else it is, you know, disappointments. All those things that can get at us, the enemy's games, the enemy's schemes. And sometimes it gets on top of you and you realise that you've allowed yourself to forget who you are in Jesus Christ. But in my spirit, when I'm listening to the Lord and I'm able to remember who I am in Him and who He is in me, I'm able to picture Him walking through the wall of my situation, knowing that He's already filled me with His, His Spirit and His power. And He's saying to me, Mark, you don't need to fear or be held by any of this anymore because I rose from the dead. I'm in you and you're in me. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. It changes the way you think. But so often we let go of those things. Is this speaking to anyone today? I'm not, I'm not doing that because I want, I want to feel approved. I'm just obeying the Lord, but I hope it is speaking to someone today. And if it's not speaking to you today, I hope that you'll be reminded of it when you're going through a difficult situation. I want to finish with this. And it's what drives me on Galatians 2. I don't know whether I gave you these scriptures, sorry. but Galatians 2 is the heartbeat of who I am. I have been crucified in Christ. And I no longer live Christ lives in me and I will spend the rest of my days in this flesh spending it for the one who gave his life for me because he loves me. And I'm going I'm to pray in a minute about release of fear and anxiety and those things. But listen, I want to say this. If there's anybody in here today that doesn't know Jesus fully, that you've never really committed your heart to him. You may even have gone to church all your life, but it's not a deep relationship with him. You've never given your life to him fully. You've never said, Jesus, I want what that guy's just been talking about. I want you to come. Listen, when I was racked in, in depression and, and alcohol and and addiction, and all of that stuff. In the middle of my mess, Jesus Christ, because I allowed him to, came walking through the walls of my heart and set me free. And I want you to know today that whoever you are, whatever you're from, whatever you've been doing in your life, however long you've rejected Christ, he's calling to you right now in this place. And he's saying, in whatever it is, the mess, the guilt, the shame, it might be addiction, 
It might be whatever it else is, but most of all, in your rejection of me, I accept you. I receive you. I want you to come to me today. I don't want you to waste another moment. I want to walk through the walls of your heart. I want to walk through the walls of your life. I want to fill you with my spirit so that you can come into all of the promises that we've been speaking about today. Because all of those promises are yours as well. The empty tomb wasn't just for the disciples. It was for every human being that walks on the face of the earth to know, to have the chance to know that Jesus is the truth that He did die on a cross, that He did rise again, that, he, that you are His, He made you, He's got a purpose for your life, He saw you before you were even in your mother's womb and if you're not with Him now, you're not living His plan for your life but He wants His plan to explode into your life right now today. He wants you to know His love and His peace and His mercy and it can be yours right now today. And I know it's a brave move and I know it can be scary but I'm asking if there's anybody in this place today who knows Jesus is touching you now and you know that He's asking you to come to Him and inside you, you know your answer needs to be yes. Please don't waste another moment. I ask you to come out to the front because I want to pray with you. I want to help you ask this Jesus Christ into your life. Right now, today, let's do it. Let's do kingdom business today.